Hello and welcome back to Upgrade on Relay FM. This is episode 9. Today's episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, and The Converted by Idiom, a unique converter for iOS. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined by the man of this hour, Mr. Jason Snow. <laughs> Hello, I'm happy to be your uh, your your co-host for this this one hour before we all move along with our lives and go to other places and other podcasts. So if this episode goes over an hour, which the listeners will know now, um, I don't know what happens in <laughs> it's the gonna second be a short, hour. It's going to be a short show. I don't know who <laughs> so the man of I've the cursed. second hour is. Now I've cursed. Well, you you will be the man of the all remaining hours of this podcast. Okay, great. I will cede control of being the man of the hour to you at the at the one hour mark. That's where the wheels really come off. Yes. Yeah. That's a bonanza style insanity that happens then. So Indeed. you want to keep you want to keep it to around an hour if you can help it. <laughs> Short show. Ah, uh, uh, so uh, hey, Mike. There's there's some follow up. Oh, everybody's favorite. <laughs> I know. I take too much glee in having follow up, but I'm just I'm very excited that I have follow up. Um, first off, we talked a few weeks ago about the fact that. I am kind of unnerved by streaming services because I wrote that article about how Battlestar Galactica was being taken off of Netflix and how streaming services are really convenient, but you are kind of at the whims of the catalogs. And you really see that in video streaming services, but you also can see that in audio a little bit. And I said, mostly the music stuff is just is fine. And we had that one piece of feedback from somebody who said that uh, the most successful German rapper, I think, uh, pulled all his stuff off of a streaming service and people were upset about that. And uh, I just wanted to to follow up with some real world follow up, which is Taylor Swift pulled all her albums off of Spotify. Not only has she withheld her new album from streaming services, but I believe all of her albums were removed, her whole catalog from Spotify. And this is one of those things that I was talking about. This may be an outlier or this may be a sign of things to come that um, subscribing to a music service is really awesome because you can do a lot of discovery and there's just access to so much music. But you do risk having um, stuff up and vanish on you, and uh, that's not cool. That's that's not fun. So if you enjoy Taylor Swift and you built a Taylor Swift play- playlist on Spotify, and uh, it's now gone, uh, you know, it's it's so this is this is the challenge with all of these streaming services is the intellectual property libraries and the licensing agreements, and um, the you know if you bought her albums, you have them still, and if you just listened on Spotify. Now they're gone. So is she given uh, much of a reason for why? I, I've seen some headlines which kind of just say, you know, I'm not committing my life's work to a fad and, and things like that. Have you read anything no, that suggests more? I, I, no, I... Uh... And and it's on other services. It's 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 not entirely oh. gone from all the services. I think, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know what her deal is with her um, with her record label, and if there are specific things that she can uh, say, take it off the streaming services, and and I don't know what their their deals are. I don't I don't know. I mean, I think what's really interesting is that you've got a big star with a big hit album and everybody who's expected that they could just listen to it on the streaming service the day that it came out have been sadly mistaken because her album 1989 is not available for streaming. You need to buy it. And that's interesting. And I think we're going to see more of that. I think you're going to end up seeing a um something more like a video release window where yeah. uh you know, the it's in the theaters and then it's uh then it's on uh 
for purchase or, or, or for rental and eventually it ends up on TV. I think you might see that with with music services where they're more about the catalog and maybe a less less about new stuff, especially from big names. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But the, the, the larger point was just that this is the downside of those services. You get a lot of convenience and a lot of value out of them. But um, one of the really consumer unfriendly things is this, that that uh, you know her albums are just gone from Spotify they just have vanished and it's funny that we mentioned that and we didn't have a real high profile example a german rapper i'm sorry not quite high profile as taylor swift this is about as high profile as it gets yeah i so, have found uh, a rolling stone article um and basically the gist of it is um is it kind of summed up in this one quote from her i i just don't agree with perpetuating the perception that music has no value and should be free and and the sort of the title of the the article is about a super fan who wants to invest so she's kind of basically saying if people want to give you money you're kind of not allowing them to do that because the perception is all music is free on spotify and that kind of like you pay a company not the artist i think that's kind of her concern which you know, uh, there's definitely some some merit in that. You know, the idea of being like, "Oh, music is free; it has no value." Um, you know, the people that made it don't deserve to be paid directly for it. I get that, um, but it, it feels like a it feels like this is only will only last for so long um, because this is where the kids are. So, you know, eventually, she, well, she can she can choose. I mean, but eventually, she may decide that she doesn't that she will want to change that decision. Who knows? Yeah, but I, the, it could also push the um, the tech people who are behind these services to change too. I mean, that, that's the that's part of the argument here is this has been a very simple, these services are conceived of fairly simply by people who are not in the music business. These are mostly technical people and then they get lawyers involved and they manage, you know, they work with the music industry to make deals and things like that. Um, and and I've not heard any artists say that the, that streaming services are good for them. Um, and I get that they're good for consumers, but there are markets where there's such an imbalance between good for consumers, but bad for the create the, the creators or producers of the material that something has to give because that's not something that's sustainable otherwise. And so for an example, like a blockbuster, like I said, yeah, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a windowing system where the new stuff doesn't appear. Maybe it is a, a premium subscription that gives you access to new releases for more money, or you can, you, you know, you can get the the cheaper free subscription for for older stuff i don't know how it's going to play out but it, it's interesting that um somebody who's got clout because she's popular is uh using that to talk about the the issues involved and to bring attention to it it, it may it may have no bearing it may not change a thing but i think it's an interesting um interesting approach because i don't think that the current um, the current streaming service system is sustainable for artists. Um, and yeah, the, the, the record companies are in the middle too. And those guys probably, ideally you'd want come up with a system that eliminated the middlemen and just benefited the, uh, the artists directly. And because the music industry is legendary for uh, how these big, uh, music, you know, record companies exploit the artists. Uh, but still, I think there are challenges with, with this where, where, um, where artists don't like the existence of these uh, these services and how much of that is just feeling like it devalues their work and how much of it is literally it devalues their work because <laughs> they go yeah. they don't get paid. I think we're still uh, too early to know what what are the halo effects of streaming streaming music. Like, what, does it over time drive up 
concert ticket sales, which is where these artists make the majority of their money. Probably not in Taylor Swift's case, because I'm sure she has a very lucrative uh, record recording contract sure. now, because she has the ability to, to demand such a thing. Um, but I, I just wonder, like, if, you know, in five years' time, we realize that, oh, there wasn't going to be any more money. I mean, because, you know, we spoke about how uh, the, do you remember I mentioned about the Platinum album? Yeah, right. In America? Well, Taylor Swift's the only person now to have done that this year, the only mm. individual. Um, so she is an outlier, you know? And it right. may be that, that music will have, would have stopped being sold irrespective of Spotify or something existing because people would have moved to piracy, which they were anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think it's too soon to tell. And uh, we'll see if we'll see if Taylor Swift, ends, Taylor Swift ends up like Led Zeppelin in a couple of years' time or not. But... But it wouldn't surprise me if if these streaming services end up being like Netflix, which is not everything, yeah, and not the newest things, but a nice selection if you want to dip into the catalog, but maybe not the new stuff. And they do that specifically to try and drive sales of the new stuff. And you're right, maybe that doesn't work. Maybe people just pirate it. But um, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to watch. Brian Hamilton in the chat room um, pointed out that she wrote a, an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes. I, in fact, I already have. But the the real way to read that article is to Google um, for Taylor Swift, the future of music is a love story, and then click on the search results because the Wall Street Journal will let you read it then, and otherwise they won't. Give it a shot. <laughs> Just Google that. Uh, anyway, that was good. That was good. Uh, good real world follow up for a topic from a previous show. I wanted to mention the true sign that um, that we have made it as a podcast, Mike. Oh. Is there are now two... Uh, I'm not sure I'd call them parody accounts. There are two uh, Twitter accounts paying homage to this podcast. It's true. It's, this is a, a monumental day. <laughs> Truly, we live in interesting times. So... Um, at Ahoy underscore telephone is out there, occasionally barking commands to its telephone. And I love this, underscore Manchego FM is now out there for all of your uh, Manchego cheese needs. So if that's a tasty cheese. Of which there are many. Of which, there, yeah. And I think they're going to ha- have some sort of fundraiser to send to get you some Manchego. There's been, I mean, I don't think we have any because it's kind of, we didn't need to cover it, but we had quite a bit of Manchego cheese-related follow-up. <laughs> yes, yes. We're, I, I didn't put that in the show notes. Um, suffice it to say, many people are trying to uh, get Mike some Manchego from Spain, which is it's just nearby. You don't have to go far at all to get there. No, not at all. To Spain. Um, probably jump on a train. Sure. And then maybe another train. Yeah, you'd probably have to change trains at some point. And then another train. After, yeah. But I get there. You could get there eventually. Take a bike. Ride your bike through the countryside. Um, I have have a really nice bit of Kindle follow-up from a listener who is... uh, I've actually been on a podcast with this gentleman. It's Andrzej Tomic. um, From... uh, from, he's, He's from... Okay, he's not from Croatia. He's, he's from in Slovenia. Slovenia, but he vacations in Croatia a lot. And he said when the first Kindle 3G was made available, um, they weren't in the EU, and that meant insane roaming charges. So he actually used his 3G Kindle to browse and write email in Gmail on the experimental browser. It was slow and awkward, but nothing compared to the roaming charges. So he says, 
Uh, it's not a common use case, but it it, it was a way for him to um, get the on the internet internationally without paying an arm and a leg. Um, and he uh, he still uses this. Croatia's in the EU, so it's not so bad. But in Serbia, uh, the same applies. So when he goes to Serbia, he he uh, can use that until they uh, until they eventually enter the EU. So I thought that was really great from Andrzej, who does a great. Uh, a uh, podcast called Storming Mortal mm-hmm. uh, in English, and mm-hmm. then he's also got a podcast, I believe, in uh, in Slovenian. But that's a very limited audience because there's only like four million people who speak it. I think so. The funny um, thing is, uh, yeah. like we've had shows uh, like when Bionic was on Five by Five, it was number one in Slovenia, like overall, because Ansted spoke about it. Yeah, that was that was that was uh, own. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. Well, he has that power. Uh-huh. He, is, he, he controls. He, yeah. the, he's like the godfather yeah. of, of iTunes in Slovenia. Very nice, uh, very nice fellow. Atomic XX on Twitter is his uh, is his user account name. I think Indeed. Atomic XX because he is he's a Tomich, so he's Atomic. It's pretty cool. Anyway, thank you to him for that. Um, also, some Kindle follow up from listener Brian who. Uh, we we talked about auto loading books onto all your Kindles, um, and he pointed out a good reason why you w- wouldn't want to do that, which is your entire family has Kindles, and you buy a book, and you don't want to force that book onto everybody's Kindle. I suppose that is uh that that's fair. Um, but he points out something that is actually as somebody who just got a Kindle is is a, a gripe that I have too, which is when you upgrade to a new Kindle, you can't just point it at the at the library of the old Kindle, like in the cloud and say, just give me all of the things that were on that other. There's no migration to a new Kindle. You have to like either copy the files off via USB and put them back, or you have to uh, just sort of manually go through and download them again. And that he's, he's right. That's silly. In in the grand scheme of things, it's not the worst thing because it only happens when you buy a new Kindle, but um, it's dumb and uh, Amazon should probably do better. Have you been enjoying a new Kindle? I have been. I've been. I've been reading. I finished. Uh, I finished a book. I started another book. Um, you published uh, a review as well. I did. Six colors. My review is up now. It was uh, gestating. Um, I think I'd written it last week when we talked, but hadn't added some things to it. And and uh, Scott read it after he was on uh, the show, and and he said, "I can't believe you even considered sending it back." And I said, "Well, I didn't strongly consider it, but I did consider it because it was not as big a change as." As I as I had expected, but it's nice. I like it, and uh, yeah, I continue to read it. But as was established last week, Scott is the is the wrong person to to talk to about such things because <laughs> no, he buys they, them all. He, they could do nothing. Like, yeah. <laughs> we just changed could, the name. I'll take it. Brick. I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's his. Uh, he collects Kindles. It's his. It's a hobby that he has. Um, also, we were talking about different tools. Like, there's a tool that lets you convert EPUBs to. It does a lot of things, but one of the things it does is it'll convert EPUBs into Mobi files that the Kindle can read. So, if you've got an EPUB, you can put it on a Kindle, even though it doesn't read that format. You can just convert it. And uh, this is a tool that, for years and years and years, I called Caliber um, because it's spelled Caliber, C-A-L-I-B-R-E. And uh, in the last year, I keep hearing people call, calling it Calibre. And I thought, wow, it, that is terrible that I've been mispronouncing that name all these years. And so last week, I, I referred to it as Calibre. And uh, listener Jeff points out that in the in the Calibre documentation, it makes it clear that it's pronounced Calibre and not Calibre. So don't do that. And uh, listener Jeff also says, hashtag, uh, how, how should I pronounce this? Hashtag GIF is still GIF. Or is it hashtag GIF is still GIF? <gasps> I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it's one of those. 
so. I I did hear you say it and thought that's definitely caliber. Caliber, but, yeah. But I gave it to you. I I just I thought other people knew better than me. After all that time, yeah. it's like, well, they they must know that. Why would you ever choose to pronounce it that way if that wasn't the name? And it tur- turns out, I'm not going to name names of who I heard, but some fairly knowledgeable people about ebooks referred to it that way. And I was like, well, that sounds it certainly sounds fancier than caliber. So let's go with let's go with calibre. No, it's not. It's just caliber. It's fine. It's a, it's a cool uh, cool little utility. It's a, the UI is pretty atrociously ugly, but you know. It works really well, so you know for converting ebooks and stuff. I definitely say uh, check it out. There's even a plugin that'll let you take your Kindle books and convert them to other formats, which is technically um, illegal because it's subverting the DRM. But you can do it. It's a pretty high calibre product. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I've rarely seen a, a product of its calibre. <laughs> so. Um, two more tweets and then we're done with uh, follow up listener Rick wrote in just to point out and we heard a few of these I just want to say it again Power Max is a great company <laughs> I've been buying and trading in my Max with them for years I, I got a few people somebody said I can't believe Jason doesn't has never heard of Power Max or doesn't know what they are I actually have heard of Power Max but this is one of those funny things about being on a podcast which is I'm hesitant in the moment to just endorse something if we're talking about what I didn't want to have happen is that I misremembered and the the company that I thought I was talking about was not the company and we ended up recommending some shady fly-by-night company for for buying, you know, remaindered old Macs on the podcast. And so a lot of times when information like that comes up and I'm not 100% on it while we're recording a podcast, I will kind of demur i will back up a little bit and be like you know well maybe i don't know rather than just um, agreeing because there is a risk that if you say it and you're totally wrong that uh you know bad things could happen so some sometimes that happens and that's just the thing about podcasts being kind of a first draft of 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 your thoughts and and different than when you're writing something down and you spend time checking you know we're just talking and recording this and then we'll post it and people will listen to it and uh, so I, I actually, when I looked at the site a little bit more, I was like, oh yeah, I remember these guys. But at the time it was happening fast enough that I, I didn't want to give an endorsement and then have it be totally wrong for something that involved like buying, buying hardware, because, you know, I, I, I'd like to have some idea of who the people are before I say, yes, give them thousands of dollars. So, so it, I may not need PowerMax anymore. Oh uh, yeah, let's let's take this as this. Now we're in the Mike's computer vertical of mm-hmm. the show. So tell me what's uh, what's going on with you. So uh, our good friend, our mutual friend, Mr. Marco Arment, um, has recently been testing various different microphones and uh, USB interfaces, and he's gonna he's gonna write it up for his site. So I, I, I believe. So I'm not gonna spoil it. But we've been we've been talking because. I have a vested interest in these things um, as well. And he has suggested to me to get a a different interface than the one I currently have, um, which is a USB interface, because he has tried it out with my microphone and the microphone that he uses, and he suggests it. Um, And therefore, I may be changing to a USB interface, which means I will no longer be restricted by the audio in, audio out, because I won't have the option. But the USB interface looks like it would do a much better job at like a mere fraction of the size of the one that I currently have. Um, so I may I may change to, to to that, or I'm at least going to get one to try it out because it's not that expensive, really. Um, and then I may I may 
completely, I may go in a completely different direction. I may even go with Retina iMac, who knows? Um, but I, I, it, it will open up hmm. a little bit more to, to what I'll be able to buy, and I won't be restricted to just getting a now old Mac Mini. You could use your, your Retina MacBook Pro. Yeah, I still, too. still don't want to do that. But yeah, okay. I could do that if I wanted to. I could do, in a pinch, I could. But uh, mm-hmm. I'd still, I'd still want a separate machine. I, I, I like the idea of having a separate machine. All right. I thought you were going to say the Marco's uh, Mac Pro is on the market. Oh yeah, it, <laughs> I think it is. But um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if I want that because yeah. I thought about it because he's, I'd seen him or I'm sure I'd seen him somewhere say about how much he was selling it for, and it looked like an, an okay enough deal. But then I'd have to get it here. And that's where I would lose all of the money, and then could just buy a new one if if I really wanted it. So, so yeah, uh, uh, basically, I'm I'm not going to buy anything yet because I don't know what decisions I'll be making soon. So, okay, so we'll come back to this. What you're saying is that you should stay tuned for the next episode of what uh, Mike's computer choice is vertical. Yeah, it's it's Inside the computer upgrade. choice vertical. Okay, good. All right, we'll we'll keep we'll keep an eye. I used at at MacWorld we had a we had a FireWire mixer for a long time, and then we went to a USB mixer. Um, that was fine. That was fine. Um, it's the audio stuff is like a hole that you can go down and never get back out. It, you could literally go down in that hole forever about like different processors and different microphones and different interfaces, and mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are. I mean, musicians do that, but I'm sure the podcasters, there are some podcasters down in that hole too now. So I, I, I see that. I'm, you know, I, I actually had this, this is not, this is not follow up, but I had this happen. Uh, I've been trying for a long time now to figure out the best workflow to make sound effects in a podcast that's happening on Skype. Now you, you have a, you have a podcast that has sound effects, don't you? Yeah. So what? How do you do that? Are you doing that analog? Are you mixing yeah, that in? I am. I am. Yeah. yeah. So I I figured it, I figured it out, and it it involves a piece of unreleased software. I think it's announced, but not yet released. Um, so I I don't well I don't know if I should even talk about. It. Well, anyway, so there's a piece of unannounced software that or unreleased already announced software and uh, a piece of software called Sound Siphon. Um, and if I use those together with Soundboard the soundboard app, I can get it to work. So I'm excited about that, that I can actually do an all software um, sound effects over Skype uh, thing. So um, I'll mention that some more, I think, when that product is finally released. It's been yeah. it's been sort of touted for about a year now as coming out, and it is going to come out at some point, but it's um, it's not out yet. So I should okay. probably wait and not, not get into the details. But I did figure that out and that was exciting. So, you know, that, that was my big, my big step up is doing it all in software because the Mac's software, um, sound stuff is not great. I'm very oh, interested in that because my, the setup that I have would not work, um, if I, if I changed interface, because I kind of have this really weird, way of like taking the audio this is one of the reasons i want audio in audio out i can i take the audio from the mac pass it into the mixer and then uh, back yeah, yeah, in yeah. again that's what we did that's what we did in MacWorld. we yeah. we had the 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 microphone or the headphone jack mm-hmm. going into the board yep that's what i have that's how i do it yeah yeah so you're just capturing your system audio yep and uh yeah yeah, that's what we did too. But I, 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 it, it can be done. So we'll follow up on that one in a future show too, because I would like to talk about some podcasting stuff. Um, uh, but it's I want to wait for for that app that isn't out yet to to be out, so that I can recommend it and endorse it and all of that. Which is it definitely um, coming out? 
Yeah, oh, it's. Oh, I'll just. Say, I'll just say it's. The, there's a new version of Audio Hijack coming out, and Rogue Amoeba has talked about it, and they've shown some glimpses of the interface. And I've been using it for a while, and it's fantastic. And I can't wait for them to ship it. And uh, when that happens, we'll talk about other ways of of uh, using it because it's uh, it's great. Uh, but uh, it's not out yet, so there's no point. Um, other than me going in and uh, I've got the new Audio Hijack, it doesn't do any good for anybody. But they're working on it. It looks great. It's going to come out. And then we can talk about it some more. Um, really quick follow-up from listener Brad, which is just, we were talking about test flight the other, the other week. Um, and he asked uh, if we could talk a little bit about having a beta app from te- test flight and how it interacts with the released version. My understanding is that it, it just overwrites it. It knows the app ID. And unless the developer is running the beta on like a different ID, I think it just, uh, it just overwrites it. And, and so like when I upgraded my Twitterific to the, the beta and test flight, uh, it, it was still in the, my dock where I, where I leave it. Yeah, um, it's it's still there with the little circle, the little orange or whatever it is circle next to it that says it's a beta. So it's just it just does it. Boom. Just, yep. uh, you know, it just pops it right in there. It knows it knows it's the same app, even though it's a beta. There is an, an interesting thing that I've noticed that um, there's like a ticking clock on all of them. You know, it has like thirty days. Oh yeah, thirty days. You can't just have an endless beta, which is it's probably good. I've I've run betas accidentally for a long time after. Yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not good. So so I think that's I think that's kind of cool that you know you can either be on the beta train and getting the new betas, or you, or the beta will expire and you need to go back to the app store version. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there was just one one last piece uh, of follow up, which is an interesting one because um, this is from uh, S. Williams. Scott Williams, yep. and he mentioned about how it took 24 hours uh, from uploading a build to passing it for review for a test flight beta, but in his opinion, that's too long. And and that's interesting because I hadn't thought of it that way. Like we've been previously saying, oh, how great, you know, 24 hours is perfectly fine, but maybe you just want to get it out like immediately, which is what you're used to. So 24 hours is 24 hours longer than 10 seconds, you know? Right. And I just thought it was a really interesting uh, way of looking at it. Like, yes, yes, it is. A, it is only twenty four hours. However, twenty four hours is, you know, that's a day longer well, you, than you, you would have had to wait before. You get all. You get all of the. Uh the extra features of that I, and you know hockey app is still out there so mm-hmm. people can still use hockey if they want the completely third party approach there the idea of apple's test flight is that it's um it's got all these other other advantages going yeah. for it including the linking it to an id instead of a instead of a device id um but yeah it'll be interesting to see how it goes and and if it if it settles down over time and if the stories we heard about it the first you know the first approval taking uh a few hours or a day and then future approvals being almost instantaneous anyway i, I do think though my experience remains like that it is it's it is superior i think in in some ways it's just easier it's so much easier and and i feel like the apps that i'm currently testing on they're they're you know they're issuing new builds as quick as you know as as frequently as as when i'd been on hockey or on the previous test flight um and there are a lot of simple things that, that i quite like so all right, so that's half an hour of follow-up half of my hour of being mm-hmm. the man of the hour is now gone but i think in order uh, to before we move on to a topic, I Mike, I would like to hear from a friend. I need to hear from a friend right now. The the, the actual people behind this app are are a friend. Me and yeah. Jason uh, had eaten breakfast at all with Hans, who is from Idian. Now, Idian are the makers of an app called The Converted, which is a 
fantastic name for an application. And this episode of Upgrade is brought to you by their app. The Converted is a unique unit converter for iOS. This app is the best way to convert numbers since the measuring cup, as it's based on that very thing. The measuring cup in your cupboard with markings for ounces, liters, tablespoons, etc., or the thermometer on your wall, both represent information in a scale, right? So they have this scale that you can look up and you convert the unit conversions by looking at the scale. They give a very clear and highly visual representation of how units relate, and developer Idian realized that this might work for other types of units too, so they made the converted. The converted is perfect for getting a quick conversion of units when you're abroad, working with people overseas, or you just want some sort of quick unit conversion. You get a real easy sense of how currency can be related between you know, US dollars and euros, for example, but also for things in the metric or imperial system too. There's a total of 481 units that you can use, including all currencies and hundreds of others across 21 different categories like power, energy, fuel consumption, and more. This is all done without the need of a keypad. It's a real great interface, which is clearly designed for iOS that features swiping and zooming and loads of pinch navigation gestures. You basically open the app and you can set... Uh, the category you want, like you can pinch apart to select the categories, and then you're shown, for, I'll use the easy ones, so US dollars to Great British Pounds. So if US dollars on one side, Great British Pounds on the other side. And you see on like a scale how they relate to each other. So like 400 uh, US dollars is 200 pounds, for example, and you kind of see them next to each other and you can zoom in and as you zoom in, like the gaps between the numbers get smaller and smaller. So instead of it being like gaps of hundreds, it's gaps of tens all the way to one. And you just scroll up and down and you can very easily and visually just see how the two things compare. And you don't need to enter in a keyboard or anything like that. It's really a great way to just jump in and get a quick sort of comparison between two different units. It also cleverly uses location awareness, and this helps you find the currency you're looking for when you're abroad. When you're in Spain, finding some manchego cheese, you can very easily find out what the euro is to, to the dollar. So you can buy your manchego cheese at a good price. And the converted has recently been updated with a today view extension. It shows the most current conversion that's in the app. So it's uh, just a quick way of getting that and then you're right there in your today view and you can jump right into the app by just a tap. The Converted is available in the App Store right now as a universal app and you should go check it out by going to theconverted.co. Thank you so much to The Converted by Idian for supporting this show and Relay FM. So there we go. Thank you so much. They are That's a friend. Right. They're a new friend. Yes, they are. A new upgrade friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Mike, how would you like to spend the next half hour? <laughs> <laughs> However you want, sir. Um, I, I thought I thought we would talk. So, okay. <laughs> I, I got my Retina iMac last week mm-hmm. while I was in Arizona. And it sat in a box in my office for four days. And I, I told people this and they didn't realize that I wasn't at home. And they're like, I am, I'm amazed by your self-restraint that you haven't taken it out of the box already. It's like, no, no, no. You don't understand. I'm hundreds of miles away from it. And sure enough, when I got home, within five minutes, that box was open. <laughs> it's not self-restraint. It's location no. restraint. It was. That's right. I was. This is this is one of the great ways to practice self-restraint is drive yourself or fly yourself somewhere far away. And then you're, you've got the restraint. It's like not buying uh, stuff that's bad for you at the store. Like you, you, you know, if it's in, and this is true for me, if it's in the house, if it's in the, the, the cupboards, the, the, the refrigerator, I'm in deep, deep trouble. 
but I have no problem just not buying it at the store. I, I have good I have good supermarket willpower, but bad refrigerator willpower. So this is a little bit like that with me and electronics. Like if there's a, a, a gadget in the house in a box, I have to I just have to open it. I, I can't I have to open it right then. So I did when I got back on Thursday and set it up and I, you know, I'm now speaking to you. I'm sitting at my desk and I've got this uh I've got the iMac uh, sitting here and it's all hooked up and uh, and going great. So I took a picture because what's interesting about it is after using the review unit from Apple, which was just a standard stock configuration iMac, um, I went back, I, I put that, uh, I moved that to the, the uh, table behind me and put my uh, laptop setup back up, which is a 24-inch Dell monitor on an arm and a uh, uh, my MacBook Air in a 12 South uh, book arc. And I hooked it all back up. And, uh, and I had that moment of, oh, this isn't retina, but also I had that moment of, hey, my desk is back because the iMac with its foot sitting on the desk and you usually have it fairly close to the front of your, your desk, or at least I do. Um, I have this whole nice desk behind it that is completely invisible when I'm sitting at my desk because the iMac is just dominating and it's like a wall and there's a little bit of space underneath, but you can't really see it. And I, and, and I had that moment where I realized, you know, I'm really liking having, my monitor on an arm, which I've had since I set up this desk. I've had I've had this 24-inch Dell monitor floating on an, on an arm, and uh, I really like that. So I bought the iMac with the Visa mount on the back instead of the foot. And my my thought process there was pretty simple: is we we, we talked about the idea of could you or could you convert an iMac into a Visa mountable thing? And there are adapters for that, but the foot just kind of floats in the air. It's because it doesn't you can't take it off. It just kind of is is floating there. And I thought that was kind of dumb. And I realized that if at the end of the day um, this iMac goes somewhere and needs to have a uh, uh, a stand and sit on a stand. Uh, they make Visa mountable stands. You just put on, you know, it's a stand that attaches to the Visa mounts and then you've got a stand for the computer. So that probably is its fate one day. But for now, I've got it on this arm, the same arm that I got when I got the desk and attached the Dell monitor to. Took four screws, screwed, you know, unscrewed the one monitor and screwed on the iMac and and uh, I had to increase the tension on the arm a little bit because the iMac is definitely heavier than the the Dell monitor was. Um, so I, I, after that and talking about putting the iMac on an arm versus not, I thought I would take a picture. So I took a picture and put it on Twitter and just said, iMac on an arm and, uh, and proceeded into something that only Twitter can do, which is <laughs> the like Zapruder film, like analysis uh-huh. of every object. I knew it was going to happen, but well, of every single object that is in that picture. Well, I'm going to do that to you now. So, okay. People can get the audio version of of such a thing. Um, I had a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, the main question that I had is, uh, is the iMac not too close to your face? Well, I when I took that picture, it was not in a real working setup. Like the, right. my old my old laptop is still there because I'm attached. You can actually see the white thunderbolt cable yep. coming out of the laptop and going into the iMac because i was doing my migration and i literally had nothing else to do because you know i was migrating and my old system and my new system were both inaccessible so i tweeted pictures instead so um normally i think it would be i'm still trying to work out exactly what the right position is but yeah it, it's partly i think that picture is not accurate about the geometry there and partly i think that the uh th- that it's a little too close 
that 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 was not not a, an actual workspace. At some point, I should probably take a picture when I when I get this all settled of my actual workspace as I as I use it every day. Um, but that wasn't what this was meant to reflect. Uh, so so yeah, I think I think it's probably a little bit too close. It's much further away from me right now as I as I record this than than uh, than it is in that picture. And so now you're using the Retina iMac, right? So you've been using it for a few days. So you maybe don't have a a sense for this yet. But obviously, when you were using the MacBook Air plugged in, the MacBook Air was driving everything. So that's where Uh everything was. Um, So when you now are away from the desk and you're working, so maybe you're on holiday or something like that, um. Are you not concerned that those two machines will now be kind of out of sync of each other? Yeah, I I have not really used the MacBook Air since I migrated, and so I think that's the that's the question. My plan is that it's for travel, and also like if I want to do something, uh, I'm I'm hoping that this will let me do a little bit more of the I'm closing the door, I'm not um, mm. I'm not in the office, and then if I want to do something on laptopy, like write a you know, write a, uh, work on my novel or something like that, that I could do that on the air, um, and also travel with it. So I haven't, I haven't worked through all the changes, but I'm going to use Dropbox because that's mostly what I use anyway. And I'll put key files in Dropbox and it is essentially a, a, an out of date clone of my, of my iMac now, because that's where it migrated from. Um, so it's got all the stuff and yeah, that'll drift a little bit over time and I'll probably delete some stuff over on the, on the MacBook air because there's no point in, and having it there, but I already use Dropbox for a lot of stuff and put most of my key stuff in Dropbox. So like most of the stories I write, I save them into, into Dropbox while I'm working on them. So if I went and opened up that laptop, Dropbox would sync and I would have that story on Dropbox too. And actually my BB sure. edit application support folder is in Dropbox because that's supported by BB edit. So even the like BB edit preferences and clippings and things like that stay in sync across the machines. It's, I used to do that. I used to have an iMac at work. Um, and I had my MacBook at home. And so I, I used to be in a scenario like this where I would, uh, I, I had, I, I used Dropbox a lot for things like stories I was working on and stuff like that. Um, is that an Apple remote on the desk? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who was, I think Dave Zatz, uh, Zatz not funny. Um, noticed that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the white Apple. I do have some of the silver Apple remotes, but this is just, I have like 10 of these little white Apple remotes. So that's what that is. And there's a reason that's there, Mike. If you look uh, sort of in the far corner of the desk, you may see an interesting object. An iPod Hi-Fi. It is an iPod Hi-Fi. I just thought it was a box. (laughs) No, that's an an iPod Hi-Fi. As I think I mentioned on the show before. You did, I remember. I have have an iPod Hi-Fi with the aux. It has an aux in plug on the back. So even though the dock connector uses the old... Firewire charging method, and so even if you've got a thing with a with a dock connector, it won't actually charge it unless you use another adapter, which is not. I mean, it, just forget it. But there's an aux port on the back, so I just have a a, a plug plugged into the the um, iPod Hi-Fi, and then I actually for the for the MacBook Air, I had this Belkin Thunderbolt dock, and I'm still using it because. Um, I bought it for the for the MacBook Air because it gave me gigabit Ethernet and uh, video uh, like video out and USB ports and just and uh, audio out and all this stuff where I could just plug all of the cables into the Thunderbolt dock and only all I only had to plug one thing I, I plugged power and the Thunderbolt cable into my MacBook Air and then that was it the the monitor turned on all the USB lit up the audio out was was set. It was 
was great. Um, and it's plugged in the audio out on the on the Thunderbolt dock is plugged into the iPod Hi-Fi. So that's what I uh, use to play music and stuff while I work. Um, and sometimes when I'm editing podcasts too, um, I'll I, rather than putting on the headphones, I'll just I'll just have the audio going and 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 do that. And I'm actually still using that with the iMac, um, mostly out of uh, clutter. Contr- I'm going to try to reduce my cable clutter, which is another thing people noticed in this picture. Um, and then the cool thing, since I have the Thunderbolt dock, is it's the same thing. I, I have one black Thunderbolt cable running to the iMac instead of uh, multiple USBs and an audio mm. plug and an Ethernet plug. And I'm actually thinking I'm gonna put, I'm gonna tuck that uh, Thunderbolt dock like under the desk, like attach it, mm. like stick it under the desk or something, so that I okay. I don't even see it. And it's just yeah, it's just Velcroed underneath. Um, uh, I would never recommend that somebody buy a $200 Thunderbolt dock or whatever it is as a as a cord control mechanism, but since I have it, um, I may I may stick with it. We'll see. If people want to see these images, by the way, they're in our show notes, which are yes. relay.fm slash upgrade slash nine. Um, I really like that there is both a brain and a drill next to each other in the corner. Like, oh, yeah, so that's a, that's a that's a <laughs> screwdriver. It's a cordless screwdriver. It's not a drill. Okay. It's not that powerful. It's just a screwdriver. I, it's what I use to to mount the iMac yeah. uh, on the Visa screws. And then next to it, yes, as mentioned in previous podcasts, the Nerf Brain Ball. One of my collection of Nerf Brain Balls is on the desk. It's in my hands right now. Several um, upgrade listeners noticed that. I'm not lying. Although this gives it scale because you can see it compared to the MacBook yeah. Air and realize that this is not a small like foam brain ball. This is a this is a a large one. I can yeah. It's 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 big. It's you know, I'd, it's like I'd the like, size of a human brain or, or even bigger. I'd I'd first at first imagined like a stress toy type size yeah. you know like a one hand and then you I've sent me those. pictures of the big brain and i was like yeah. wow okay that wasn't my expected yeah it, it i i had a foam little stress toy brain but it, it, that's like a quarter of the size of the the brain ball. brain ball literally it, it's basically the size of my hand if i if i put my palm out flat the brain ball is the size of the and this is the we're in the brain ball vertical now mike and I and I, I must I must say that your uh, your keyboard doesn't look very clacky. Uh, no, I, so a bunch of people asked about my keyboard. Uh, a lot of comments about the fact that it had black keys. It's the Logitech um, Bluetooth Easy Switch keyboard, um, and I like it. It's a nice keyboard. It it has the same feel as the Apple keyboards. Um, it's got three different Bluetooth modes, so I can switch it around to use multiple be a to be a uh, a device attached to multiple um, devices. So I, I move into another room and press another button and then it's my iPad keyboard if I wanted to. So I could take it with me and do it that way. I'm just used to writing on the... I'm not a clacky keyboard guy. I'm used to writing on uh, on a laptop keyboard. And so having some continuity with a laptop keyboard is uh, valuable to me. And I like it better, I think, than the Apple keyboards. I do have the Apple Bluetooth keyboard, but I think I like this one better. So do you, do you actually use that feature much the like to switch between I think I use it I think I do it more accidentally than not but I have a Mac mini attached to the TV in my living room and it's nice to be able to just walk in there and press the button and have it work instead of having to pair it or you know or find a USB keyboard and attach it or anything like that so that that part is nice but uh it's not really necessary I I mostly have it because it's rechargeable and the keys are pretty nice i mean that's that's really 
really it. I do have, I have had clacky keyboards in the past. I actually have an Apple extended keyboard and a USB ADB converter here somewhere, but I'm mostly um, used to typing. I can type like 110 words per minute on this thing, so I'm okay. Is there anything? And a, tra- and a trackpad, magic trackpad too. Yeah. Why do you use the magic trackpad and not a mouse? I know this is like a, this is a. <sighs> I know there's a whole show there, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. Um, I really, well, part of it is, is continuity I, as somebody who, uh, has used a laptop a lot and, uh, throughout my house, that MacBook air has been my main system. I, I mean, I've had a MacBook air as my main system for three or four years now. So I do all my, all my editing, all my, all of my muscle memory is trackpad and, and, uh, laptop keyboard based. And so I was always like a trackball guy, not a mouse guy anyway. And uh, so the movements are similar. And really, it's that continuity that when I sit down at my desk, it's I'm using the same kind of muscle memory that I would use if I was editing a podcast on a, on a plane. If I'm editing a podcast on a plane or editing it at this desk, I'm still doing all of the... And it's great for stuff like that because the pinch, pinching, pinch and zoom for moving around in and out on a timeline in Logic or something like that is actually uh, pretty great. So... I've gotten used to it. I think I think that's really the bottom line is I know that's what Apple says, but I think it's true that I've gotten so used to using a trackpad now that I might as well just use it all the time. So do you have anything else that you would like to, to note and or defend about your setup? Um, let's see. What else did people notice? Uh, I want to defend about people are complaining about the, the uh, cable clutter. And and there there are a lot of cords here. This is not... This is a migration scenario. So one is there's more cords there than normal because I had to pull a bunch of things out and plug a bunch of new things in. Um, and and uh, also part of that is the uh, whenever you get a new computer, the, the last thing you do is tie all the cables down um, right away because you don't know how you're going to use it. And, you know, I was just migrating. It was literally the beginning of the process. So I have hopes to make the cable clutter um, reduce somewhat. And we'll get there. I've never been a totally like uh, crazy like John Syracuse sees my workspaces and just shakes his head sadly and walks on yeah. because it's just it's a you know he's very a very diligent kind of guy and I've never been that diligent. That that all said, I would like um, to to reduce the clutter in my office as much as I can. And I'd really been waiting for the iMac to come and get it set up and and then do some uh, do some new work to reduce the number of cables that are floating around. I mean, it is still an unfinished garage in some ways. And so I've got like concrete and other things that are not ideal, but, um, in a lot of ways it's, uh, it's pretty close to being just a solid regular old office now. So it's time for me to get some little Velcro ties and, and maybe some, uh, double-sided Velcro tape and other things and, um, and some other cord control stuff to reduce that. Also, it's a sit stand desk. So all of the, uh, cord stuff that I have. I have to have enough slack in the cords that it, um, it it works when the desk is up. So you you need to have enough length in the cords for when it's in the high position. And then when it's down in the low position, there's extra cable just kind of floating around. And that's just how it is. So that's life. So yes, it will be, it will be less awful than it looks here, but I can't guarantee that it will be super pristine Johnny Ive approved um, desk material. There's a coaster on the desk that's very exciting. Uh, there's a thermometer on the desk so I can see how cold it is and turn on my little uh, little space heater when I need to. And then... Um, I think you're using a Uniball Sino 207. 
I don't know what you're even talking about now. Is that a pen? Yeah, did there's, you there's did you just pen. call out did you just call out my pen? Uh-huh. It's not a call out. I just think that's what you're using. It Okay, Mike, first off, here's the pen. Yeah. That's in that photo. Does mm-hmm. that excite you it, to hear pens? Sure. Am I right? Are you the pen addict or is somebody else the pen addict? I'm not the pen addict. Brad is okay. the pen addict. Brad is the pen addict. Yeah. The, the 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 title character in the podcast of the mm-hmm. same name. Okay. It's a Pilot G2. Oh, terrible. Terrible. No, See, this is I why like... I'm not the pen addict. No, no, no. I'm terrible. Oh, okay. Forget it. You're identifying them. I, I named it incorrectly but knew what one it was because that uh, was the pen that I used to use. It's the G2. I, like it. I, I love the G2. The G2 is a great pen. I hope We're you use pen... a point seven. Pen pen vertical. This is the, the pen addict vertical of the oh, upgrade. Oh five. I don't know. Um, it's uh yeah. I like those gel pens. They're yeah, fun. No, they're, I'm not a I'm not great. a pen nerd either. Uh, I'm not a pen nerd. But when I saw all the pen nerds talking about gel pens, I got some gel pens and I thought, oh yeah, okay. I see. Yeah, no, you, you I, made the right choice. That is because I used to have pen. the I I used to have those pens that were they had that they had the um they had the reservoir that you could actually see the ink reservoir and then they had the little metal. Uh, the little metal tip at the, at the front, and they weren't they weren't clicky. They had a cap. I forget. They were very popular for a long time. I still have some around. Um, and the, I used those, and I liked those. But you know, they also smeared the ink smeared when you started writing and all that. And the gel pens are are pretty awesome. So that's 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 my that's my uh, pen addict vertical right there. Brad's gonna be so upset at me when he hears this. <laughs> so you notice the pen? That's good. That you're you're being well trained. I often have Dungeons and Dragons dice on it on there from when we play D and D on the Total Sweet. Party Kill podcast, but they weren't on there for this. I got a couple San Francisco Giants pennants in the background, including the one I got when I was like seven years old, which shows an actual giant swinging a, ba- a bat at oh, Candlestick I see Park. Him. I see him. He's there a giant. He is. See, he's a he's a giant. People say they don't have a, a really tall guy as their mascot, but in this pennant, they've got a, a giant guy. If they were almost that over. big, it'd be really unfair. Yeah. I've got my I've got my uh, Heil. L2T boom with an, uh, a blue Yeti microphone that I'm speaking into right now and a little pop filter on it. You can see it over there on the left. And then uh, that's about it. On the on the walls, there's a corner of a movie poster that's the real genius uh, oh, nice. movie poster. And on the right, uh, people asked about this. That's a framed copy of the first cover of Macworld and the 20th anniversary co- cover of Macworld. Uh, that the company that owns Brown Printing, it's Brown Printing, the printing press for Macworld for that entire time and for its entire print run, um, sent that to the president of the company for 20 years of working with Macworld. And uh, I thought that was that was nice. They, the president of the company gave it to me and uh, I took it with me when I left. So it's on it's on my wall. And that is the Zapruder-like analysis of a picture of my desk. Well, we can do it to mine. Because I've I've put a picture in the show oh. notes of my desk. All right, so let's talk. So so the the premise here is not just to do this Zapruder esque uh, uh, analysis of images, but to for people who don't know, the Zapruder film is that film of the Kennedy assassination that everybody looks at frame by frame. That's where that comes from. Right. Um, it's it's that I am now. This is now my new workspace that I'm building, and you now have uh, are are not in a workspace at at your office because you have left your 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 employment, and we are both gentlemen of leisure now. I like to call it fun employment. Yeah, sure. That's right. That's right. Um, and so uh, I think it's interesting how we we now d- no longer have the warm embrace of an employer to tell us where to sit and what to use and all of that. And we, we have to set our own workspaces up. So I thought this would be, I know this is a little Mac, Mac Power users and a, and a little, uh, I don't know what, a little, a little Merlin Man. We should have had Merlin Man on to consult about this. But 
Um, I've got your picture open now, so I'm 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 analyzing it. There, um, there's a beverage. There is. I'm going to give you some time to analyze it. Okay. Are you but going to tell me about a friend? I'm going to tell you about our friends at Igloo. <laughs> Igloo make an internet you'll actually like. Igloo, do this. They they make something you're going to like because they make it easy to use and they integrate apps like shared calendars, Twitter-like microblogs, they incorporate file sharing, task management, and so much more. Igloo make it easy to work with your coworkers, and they make it even easier to work even better with them. You can share documents together, so you can co-author documents. You can share status updates about what's going on in the break room today. Um, maybe you want to say, this is my lunch, don't touch my lunch, where you can do all that in the igloo with the that sort of microblog stuff that you have. And you can also manage your projects all in one place so you can actually get some work done as well, not just talk about what's happening in the conference room or the break room. When somebody changes an item, so they change a document in Igloo, notifications are sent, or maybe they update a task, notifications are sent out. And this is all done in the way that you choose. So you can say, I want to be notified here and here. I don't want to be notified about this. And you have granular uh, access to make sure you can go in and just get the notifications that you want. And when people are making changes to a document, a complete version history is maintained. This keeps everyone in sync and makes sure that Crazy Bob doesn't accidentally delete that GIF from the presentation you've been working on because you can go in and restore it because Bob doesn't like GIFs because he likes them to be called GIFs. But this way, you can make sure that Bob won't win. Also recently, Gartner released their famed Magic Quadrant for Social Software in the Workplace report, and Igloo appears on this report for the sixth consecutive year alongside Microsoft, IBM, Google, and SAP. This is an excerpt from Gartner's profile. Feedback from Igloo's reference customers was consistently positive. They praised the product's quick deployment, configuration, and customization flexibility with self-service options for non-technical users, control over branding and information organization, and ease of use. They also praised the responsiveness of Igloo as an organization. If that, if hearing that excites you, then you should be trying out Igloo. Because if the, if you hear that and you're like, oh, I need that, then you should be trying it out. If it doesn't excite you, let me tell you about some other things. So... All of Igloo is built with responsive web design in mind. So anything that you can do on any machine, you can do on all machines. So if you've ever used some sort of intranet software, or maybe you've been using SharePoint for a while, you know how amazing this is, that you'll actually be able to get some real work done and access your full corporate intranet from your phone. And I say corporate intranet, you can put anything in there, and people do. I've seen examples of different Igloos that the guys at Igloo have shown me, where people are able to share just what they're up to on a daily basis, as well as actually get their work done. You can create little communities within your Igloo and, and have certain functionalities that's, that's in these ones and certain functionalities in other ones, depending on what's needed. You have full control over it. It's really awesome, and you should be trying it out. And you should definitely be trying it out because it's for free for up to 10 people. And you can sign up right now at igloosoftware.com slash upgrade. So it's free for up to 10 people. Thank you so much to Igloo for their support of Upgrade and all of Real FM. And thank you for being such a good friend. On the Clockwise podcast last week, uh, I think it was last week, we had Igloo as a sponsor. And my sponsor read... Um, got away from me a little bit <laughs> and I started talking about how it was magic and I had to explain that it wasn't black magic it was more like good Harry Potter kind of magic uh-huh. it was very it was very confusing and then um and then Marco from Igloo saw our show notes which just said brought to you by Igloo you know and the normal thing and then it said it's like magic but not the bad kind and he said oh that's really funny I said have you listened to the spot yet he said <laughs> no <laughs> let's see if you change your mind yeah I think he thought I think he thought it was funny but it was that was a that was a funny moment of uh of me <laughs> like yeah you're doing an ad read and you're like well 
uh, what what is happening to this <laughs> as you're talking? So anyway, Igloo like I, it I, when you get a little I, bit. Uh, I think that I think the podcast ads are more fun when when yeah. when when everybody's having fun with it. And I said it was good magic. I didn't say it was black magic. If they get very angry and they're like, no, no, we're evil magic, then they should let us know. Yeah, I'll, I haven't received that feedback yet, but if I do, I'll let you know. Then they can become an enemy sponsor instead. Ooh. Enemy of the podcast, yeah. We are looking for an enemy sponsor, by the way. Yeah, It's available. Somebody offered to pay $20 if we said a nice thing about Windows Vista. A few people were trying to club together today to, to buy a sponsorship and be an enemy, but mm. I don't think it panned out. That's another failed, another failed uh, attempt to take over the world by the villains. Mm-hmm. They didn't make it. Only our friends made it. So keep trying, enemies. One day you'll make it. We are actually like about three minutes away from where I become the man of the hour. So it's probably yes. about the right time to this, talk about my my workspace. I think it is. So here it is. So uh, I, I give a, a brief overview of what you can see here. So I have a Retina MacBook Pro there. As you, as you notice, uh, that is open. Um, mm-hmm. I did, and, and below it is a Microsoft uh, keyboard. Yeah, it's one of the ergonomic keyboards. Mm-hmm. The Microsoft natural er- natural keyboard. That's I think it's it, called. Microsoft natural keyboard. Uh, it's I don't know if if keyboards naturally grow like that, um, <laughs> and that's why they call it the natural keyboard. Yeah, um, it's not organic. It was it was it was raised with um, some additives, but the organic keyboards are are a little bit more expensive. But they're they're totally like only raised on organic. Material. Oh no, that is the sculpt, oh. not the natural. The sculpt is the one that has the hole in the middle, which is what mine has. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. Well, you know what what uh, what, Mike, uh, what Michelangelo said is that every great keyboard starts as a a block of granite, but the the great artist sees the keyboard within it. I'm sure he did say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sculpt. I tried anyway. Yeah, so you've got multiple keyboards. You've got a you've got a you've got a little Apple mm-hmm. wireless keyboard, and yep. you've got a Microsoft keyboard, and then yep. you've got your laptop on a stand with a keyboard. Yep. So I don't really. I try to not use the one on the stand, um, and I have all of this. So I also have uh, my MacBook on a like a little stand. I can't remember the stand. I just found it on Amazon. I just, just grabbed any stand that looked sturdy enough. Um, and I have a magic mouse there as well because I started to get some wrist pain. Um, and I spoke again to Marco Armin. He's he's like the advisor of this week's episode. Mm. Um, and because I know he used this this crazy keyboard, and I asked him if he had had some wrist pain, and he said that he was moving towards that, um, and then it completely changed everything. So that was when I elevated the the MacBook and got all this stuff, and and it has been a lot better actually since I started using this stuff. Um, but yeah, I have another keyboard. That other keyboard is is for the Mac Mini, which you can kind of see underneath two different external hard drives. Oh yeah. Um, so that Mac Mini there, and then I have the Logitech mouse and a Magic Trackpad. Now, when I edit, I use both. Ooh. Yeah. You blew my mind. So when I'm I've... when I'm in Logic, I am two handed editing in Logic now. That's crazy. Because the the mouse provides me with finer grain control to to click and select things. Plus, it's also better again for the wrist. But then I use the pinch and zoom gestures and the magic trackpad. I don't even. <laughs> wow, that is. I've heard people say that they use they use the magic trackpad just for uh, pinch and zoom, and then they use a mouse for everything else. I guess your people. 
I wouldn't be using it if there was a way to get the pinch and zoom gesture into the mouse. There is not. Mm. Like you can do it by like holding down some key commands and then yeah, using and like the wheel. control wheel or something. Yeah, but it doesn't work very well. No. It's, it's not as it's not as uh, as well tuned as, as the and also the gestures. You know, like the trackpad gestures. Yeah, you can't you can't get to them as easy with the mice. Even with the magic mouse, you can't get all of them. No, Apple sent when they had the the review unit they sent me of the Retina iMac. It came with a Magic Mouse, and I thought, oh, I'll try this out. And within like five minutes, I was like, I hate this thing. I hate, I hate trying to access Mission Control because you have yeah. to double tap on the mouse, but I never seem to do it in the right place, and it never it just it takes me multiple times to get it to work. So you've got, I mean, I'm I'm really witnessing this system that you've got where you've got. Your laptop that you use as a laptop, yep. just for even though it's got an external keyboard, it's 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 for your notes and the web and things like that. And then you've got the Mac Mini with a with a monitor and a keyboard and a and a mouse and a trackpad and below it a a, a mixer. And mm-hmm. that's your that's your podcasting setup. And then you've got a you've got your microphone on the on the boom arm with a pop filter. So yep. the it's two 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 computers mm-hmm. on one desk. What's in the what's in the cup? What's that beverage? That is Dr Pepper Zero. Okay, and the, the field notes behind it too. Yep, Boy, people who are not looking at the at the show notes are really missing out. There, there um, are there are field notes <laughs> everywhere. There's everywhere. a pile of field notes, and then there's one tucked underneath the computer, and then that big one is a big field notes. That mm. big field notes is what I actually use to take notes as we record. So ah. I take timestamps. For example, at, at minutes twelve and uh, 14 and 39 and 23 seconds respectively there were some fireworks in the background here so i need to go into the file to cut them out oh interesting so there's a couple of other things so that that monitor is actually a television yeah i was going to say it looks it looks like a tv yeah so the the mac mini goes into there it's not the best but i don't really use it for for too much so i can i can live with it but also i have uh underneath a hdmi switcher that's what a little blue light is on that box Mm -hmm. And into that HDMI switcher going the Mac Mini, um, an Xbox, and a PlayStation. Uh-huh. So they all go into there, and then they go into the TV, right? So I can use it for gaming, too. Um, what else do I have here? So you, you use the TV on your desk to play games? Yes. Interesting. That's That's... I, I I mean that makes perfect sense. I'm just thinking of like thinking of it as a workspace, and then having it also be a game space just is kind of funny that yeah. you got all your all your business there, and then and then when it's time for Mike to to play some games and leave the business world behind, he doesn't really go anywhere. Just turns. I turn slightly. Just turns at the angle. You move from a business angle to a gaming angle. Yeah, let's see how that plans out in the long run. All right, because previously it hasn't really been too much of a problem, but maybe it will become a problem. Mm-hmm. Now that this is now that this is your your business. Yep. So it's, uh, so so do you edit on the Mac Mini or just record? No, I edit on the Mac Mini. So you're editing podcasts on a TV? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. I need it's on it's on my ever growing list of things to get a, a proper monitor, but it's it was merely been a financial constraint and so, the, the the constraints of the screen resolution are not high enough that uh, the financial con- for the financial constraint to to be okay. I just don't understand why you're going to have to explain this to me again. I don't understand why you wouldn't use your powerful and beautiful screen Retina MacBook Pro to edit the to edit your podcast. Because then I have to transfer the files onto onto it. 
And I know that sounds like such a silly thing, but it's all just there. And then I have Ethernet plugged into there, so the upload speeds are quicker because I have horrible internet, remember? Um, so basically the difference in speed between my what my MacBook can achieve and what the, the Mac Mini can achieve is like double in some instances. So like the upload speeds are a lot quicker. Um, so Ethernet hub? Yeah, Maybe? but then I need to have another cable into the... Yeah, I know. I know that there are things. Mm. There are many Cause things. Because you got, you've got this very powerful computer with a very mm-hmm. beautiful monitor. Mm-hmm. And you're editing on a TV. Yeah. By choice. By choice. Because you, you could use the other one. So I guess, I guess editing on a TV is not as inconvenient as transferring a file a couple of times. Yeah. I guess. I guess I've never. Fascinating. Re- I'm not judging you, Mike. I just I I'm I'm fascinated by that. I am judging you a little bit, but I'm fascinated yep. by that decision. That 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 obviously the convenience of it may, means more to you than than the uh, you know having the l- probably what slower and mm-hmm. worse display yep. of the thing that's sitting six inches away. Well, you see, the thing is, Jason, I'd never considered it, and now I'm horrified uh, because now I'll never forget it. So I may have to change the way that things work here because now I will remember how much easier it will be to just edit on this machine. Well, if you got a if you got a uh, uh you could get a dock or something and uh and I don't know and then plug in and and use that I don't I don't know. You should, you should think about it as you're thinking about your audio workflow. Perhaps that changes your your device workflow too. I like I get I totally get especially with Apple audio issues in the OS. I think having a second system for recording is pretty smart. Um, also it allows you to have all your Skype business and all that up on the on the TV and then your 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 laptop is fully dedicated to um, everything else. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've got Windows tiled and Skype hiding behind things and all of that. So I see I, I see the appeal of it. Um, I do. I just it's it's just the it's interesting given how powerful the the laptop is and if you're changing so you may not need the audio in anymore maybe that's the thing that makes you re- reevaluate the whole thing i don't know yeah i think part of it is i've been doing this for longer than i've had a more powerful laptop so it's just like the power of the laptop has not not really been in question before because it's like okay so oh yeah you know this would be easier but i've never really considered it you know because it's just right. kind of just been like i have always done it this way Right. And it's not it's not not you're using your old you brought this new piece of hardware into this old in the system that works just fine so yeah. why would you change it because there is still a feeling to me of keeping it all in one place that i quite like um, these are decisions that it departments make too so mike you're basically acting as your own it department here hmm. saying look this works this is a perfectly solid setup and you know is it using is it using current operating system or is that also sort of slow to update the Mac Mini. The Mac Mini, yeah. Yeah, it's currently running... Hmm, what is it? I th- we looked at this before, and I keep forgetting. It's running 10.8, which is... <gasps> lion? That's uh, Mountain Lion. Mountain Lion, Mountain Lion, yep. So you are you really are your own IT department here, where you've got Mike's own personal, fancy, fun MacBook Pro Retina, and then you've got the IT department's audio setup, which yeah. is... Two versions of OS X behind and running off of a TV set, and but it's like it works. It's rock solid. Don't change it. There's something to be said for that. I mean, we make fun of of IT people a lot. I was complaining the other the other week about 
trying to buy an audio plugin and and they said well no 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 you're you can't use yosemite no no we'll we'll support yosemite later maybe maybe months later uh, because it's scary it's new and we gotta we gotta qualify everything but that's you know you've got a you've got a tool that works and it's this mac mini setup even though it could be upgraded and changed Ooh, upgraded they should somebody should call a podcast upgrade mm. um I just, I, it's it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how it changes, especially if your workflow needs change in terms of the audio stuff. If you go to a USB interface, yeah. But these is are th- this is the challenge. We're all our own IT people now. We're our right, you and I. We we make these decisions ourselves with budget constraints and prioritizing what needs are most important to be met. And all of that. Yeah, I mean, it is the IT department analogy whilst humorous is an interesting one because it is very much like I can sympathize with it because it's simply the case of i if this breaks it's a lot to fix like if if this if anything on this mac mini breaks that is a problem mm-hmm. um and that's time and money that needs to go into to making it better um so that's why i don't i try not to mess with it too much like the, you know at least the operating system upgrades and stuff um but yeah that isn't i hadn't considered transferring the files between the machines before hmm. Because I could just simply do that by a Thunderbolt cable. Sure. If they're not too big, but they're audio files, so they probably are. You could probably use AirDrop, but of course your system, that, that Mac Mini doesn't run an OS that has AirDrop. But anyway, yeah, your Thunderbolt cable would work. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the core recorder files that I use or the AFF files that I swap them into, they can be multiple gigabytes. Yes. Um, it's but, true. But, but yeah. It could be done. Mm-hmm. It could be done. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to ruin your perfect workflow because it's gotten you where you are today. But yep. aside from just, making me call into question everything uh, uh, that I do, do you do you have any other questions about about what you see in well, a, in and around my desk? Doctor Pepper Zero. Uh, no, I have I have no further questions. I think it looks uh, I think it looks lovely. What's the microphone that you use? We should ask. Oh That's yes, a good question to ask. It's a Heil PR forty. Ah, uh, very popular. Yeah, I do not recommend it as your first microphone. If you are looking at such things, it's not finicky, not not so much just because it's XLR or anything like that, or it needs additional equipment. It requires it like a you know not fancy mic technique, but it requires a just a different way. Because like for example, if I just talk just slightly away from the microphone, oh yeah, see you have to you have where'd to he talk. go? Yeah, exactly. Where where's he gone? <laughs> like my I have to talk directly into it. Yeah, so you kind of have to to get used to that and mm-hmm. uh, like with with the yeti that you have um which i used that was my microphone before this one uh you can you can set it so you, you could be on the other side of the room and it, and it will do a decent job of picking you up um that is my i i think from for like 90 percent of people i would still recommend the yeti as a usb microphone i know that many people go with the road podcaster yeah. Um, you know, and and I actually do think sometimes in some instances, an audio quality is a step up. However, the Yeti has a lot more flexibility, mm-hmm. including a hardwired mute switch. Yeah, the the Rode Podcaster is not bad. Although, um, I wonder if they have some variability in in batching, you know, in building them, or if they had at one time. Because some people I talk to really love them, and other people say that they're very quiet. They're it's hard to really drive the gain. Um, and that was my experience is that I, I didn't think it sounded yeah. that great. I think the yet, I think if you set the settings, right, the Yeti sounds, uh, great. And that's my stock. Like if you want to do podcasting, 
uh, you can get a, a snowball for like fifty dollars, oftentimes. But don't. And it it's fine. <laughs> but if you can afford a hundred, hundred, hundred and ten, whatever it is, you can usually find a Yeti somewhere for about that. It's a better microphone because it's got the hardware mute switch. It's got the uh, the headphone jack. And it sounds really good. Plus, it's got the different uh, mic modes. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, Philip Michaels and Lisa Schmeiser, who often will podcast with me on The Incomparable, um, they're married. <laughs> they they So they live, in the same, they live in the same house, and they sometimes want to be on the podcast together. So they got the Yeti, which has the two across mode, where it's uh, directional on, on the front and back of the microphone, so they can actually sit... Um, across from each other with the microphone and do a podcast together that way and that works pretty well too so i think it's I, that's my go-to choice for like simple and yes and then there's the that that pit that the all the audio pros and podcasters are down in that 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 hole that you can go down and get some stuff that sounds better um but the money starts increasing and i could argue that beyond a certain point most listeners are never going to tell the difference podcasters will yeah the the yeti is is great it really is great and i I agree with the road i've had some uh i've had some issues with gain on on that thing and i can't really work out where they're coming from yeah because i've had like some people have issues some weeks and not others we're in the podcasting vertical now yeah (laughs) hi everybody hi so I think that's probably it for our, our workstations. Now there yeah. are some other things in this document. Uh, would you would you like to talk about them? I mean, we I could at least talk you're about the, the podcast. You're the man of the thing. hour. You tell me. Well, because we've just spoken about <laughs> podcasting. Yeah, we should finish on that. Let's just talk. I mean, yeah. we we've been going for for more than an hour now, but we should talk a little bit about this just because uh, we were talking about podcasting anyway. I've been listening like everybody else to the serial podcast which is this podcast from a reporter at npr uh it's the people who do this american life and it's a weekly podcast telling the story about a murder from 1999 as the reporter investigates it and talks to everybody involved and it's really a great example of storytelling um it's one it's it is one of the best podcasts that i've ever heard it is mm -hmm. simply incredible just because of for nothing more it's it's the idea and the execution um, I think sometimes some of the choices that they make with audio are a bit, leave a little bit to be desired, mm-hmm. um, but the the idea and the way that the story is told is it's like nothing I've ever heard before. I mean, it's it's I've heard things like this in radio documentaries and things, but sure. to do it in a podcast and to have it be the reason i wanted to bring it up i mean yeah it's good serial podcast s e r i a l podcast.org it's not about like breakfast cereal um it's you should listen to it it's interesting what it does is it gets me excited about this medium about podcasting that that the you start with people like this show talking to each other because that is something that's fairly easy to do you get a couple people with microphones they talk to each other for a while you produce it and you're done uh, something like Serial is much more, you know, edited like a movie or like a documentary. It, there's a huge amount of effort that goes into it. But I do believe fundamentally that um, that this is a medium that has a, a lot of different things that it can produce. And right now we're not necessarily tapping into all of those things that things that radio does and also things that just sort of never got a chance to be um, on radio because, you know, radio is... It, 
corporate and and uh, has to be broadcast and and reach a very broad audience. So I just I listened to Serial and I started to think, wow, you know, what could I do? Not that was just Serial. I think we'll we'll probably get a lot of things that are knockoffs of Serial. But like, what could I do a podcast that breaks uh, breaks format somehow and is different, a very different kind of podcast? What would that be like? What what are the kind of options there? Um, and you're as somebody who's embarking on a podcasting career yourself i'm sure that you've been thinking about this too and oh yes i, I know, most definitely have <laughs> these these tried and true podcast formats like this one those are those are if podcasts can can have a classic format being such a young medium i think this is it and and th- this is good but um generally not this one necessarily but generally <laughs> this is good uh but there's more right there's more to be done and that's that's i i serial uh, not only is it a good podcast, but it 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 got me thinking of that of like, don't just accept that the kind of podcasts we listen to now are all there can be because it's not true. And always sort of uh, keep thinking about what are other things we could do to take advantage of this medium because at the end of the day, this medium is just um, audio files being delivered, and it can the, those audio files could contain anything. Yep. And so startup, re- re- startup is another great example. Yeah, these two yeah, both kind of came around at the same time, and, and and I read a statistic. Somebody sent it to me via Twitter. I, I can't remember where it where it came from now, but I've seen it in a couple of different places. That the month of uh, October was the largest amount of single podcast downloads in history, and it's probably because of these two shows. Hmm. Um, but that is that's fantastic i mean you know of course relay fm of course of course you know, of course we've helped we're helping uh but i think that that is it's incredible to see uh that it, it, especially you know when i'm just i've just decided to make this my living you know uh it's good to see that statistic popping up yeah it's there was the the, the new york magazine article i mean the the two things about this the the media coverage of this is funny because i think a lot of it is people in uh the media who know people at npr or other media outlets and then they do a podcast and suddenly it's legitimate because mm-hmm. somebody from major a major media outlet has doing a podcast now it's real which is stupid but um but it does uh it does suggest a trend and um, I, I can't remember what whether it was on this podcast or another podcast, but I remember talking to somebody about the fact that there was some study that said, like, what, less than 3% of people listen to podcasts? It's like, that's that's a sign of of growth potential. I, yeah. I, and I do believe that, that, that there will be lots of growth in this medium, but part of that will also be um, interesting kinds of programs that drive, um, that drive people forward and, um, and you will have a breakout hit at some point and maybe it's not night veil quite and maybe it's not serial even quite but at some point something is going to be such a breakout hit that it's going to bring millions of new people into the medium because they've heard people talking about that maybe serial yeah. is it but if not there will be one at some point i really believe um i had a really nice uh, i had a lunch when i was in arizona with uh, aileen who does the less than or equal podcast and uh, her husband and Aline, Aline, I think I overpronounced it. Anyway, uh, and we talked about podcasting for that was like a an unrecorded podcast about podcasting, and it was a lot of fun. But we were all enthusiastic for those same reasons that it's going to be, we believe, 
and I know you and I believe, I think it's going to be big, but um, it's just not quite over the threshold yet. So it's going to get there and, and having NPR people and other people like that embrace it so that the media notices and says it's a thing. In the end, it's good for the medium, even if those of us who've been doing it for a while kind of roll our eyes. It's like, oh, yes, well, once somebody from the New York Times has a podcast, then it's a real medium. It doesn't bother me, you know. When <laughs> I know it, it bothers it bothers many people, and they're like, "Oh, and they didn't mention Five by Five or Twit or you know, it's etc. Cetera, etc." Cetera. But it doesn't bother me because it's not relevant to the audience. The New York Magazine, right. it, it it's instantly irrelevant to to mention Twit and Five by Five in in this context. But but the other thing is. All of this stuff, all of this press coverage and that, it's just good for the industry. And what's good exactly. for the industry is good for us. It's, and, the, it's, and, it's and, the rising tide lifting all the boats. And all of the people that care that Twitter and 5 by 5 were mentioned in this article are already listening. So mm-hmm. it's totally fine. And and at the end of the day, I, I completely agree, right? It's, it's someone at NPR is doing it. So people at, other piece, people at NPR are doing the pieces on it. But what it's doing is exactly what we need. And it's, it's putting this stuff in front of the mass market because... I'm not saying that, that the millions and millions of people out there are going to listen to Upgrade. But what it will do is of those millions and millions, the 1, 2, 3% of those people that are interested in technology may then come across this show. Yeah. And then they're going to download it. And, and that's, that's really good. And, and that's, that's kind of all I care about. I don't care if we men- get mentioned or don't get mentioned in, the, in a New York Magazine article. It, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. What does bother me is that it's in the New York Magazine at all. That's what I'm excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's so you can you can roll your eyes a little if you want about like oh well you know this has been happening for a while and they've only now discussed it. But bottom line is it's good it, for people who love this medium and believe in it. Um, it's good that people are noticing it again. And yeah. I, I do feel like I, in some ways it's validation of what's been happening the last few years where it, you know it had its moment to to thrive. And it didn't thrive in 2005 or whenever that was. It was when it, when you were syncing things from iTunes and Apple embraced it and gave it gave it. We're, we're putting it in GarageBand and we're putting it in iTunes, and then it just kind of fizzled uh, because it was too fiddly and it was too too geeky and it just it wasn't time. It's since grown naturally and been better and better over time. And sometimes you don't get a second chance. Sometimes people would just say, "Oh, podcasting—that was that was a thing that that was a fad in the in, in the mid two thousands, and now nobody cares." Um, and so I like the fact that people are talking about, uh, you know, in the terms of the New York Magazine article, podcast renaissance. They have to cast it that way. It's like I know we told you about podcasting and nobody listened, but now they are listening. Now it's now it's a real thing because that's that's the redemption of that concept, and we all believe in it. But to to talk to a broader audience and say no this is really a thing now you can get it on your on your phone with an app and just listen to it anywhere that is uh that is great for the medium so in the end i think it's i think it's a good thing and having uh having podcasts that push the boundaries is a great thing like like serial and um you know i know that i i I've got a lot of projects that are podcasts like this and then a few that are different. It certainly emboldens me for things like uh, the incomparable radio theater of the air, which we want to do a, a new season of probably early next year. Um, that, you know, that's a totally different thing. That's radio, old time radio drama, 
you know, comedy, whatever. And uh, it excite it excites me to listen to something like Serial, even though they're they they're seemingly completely different. Because what they do is say this is a medium that can hold all of these different things, and it's not all just you know a, a roundtable discussion for an hour and a half about computers, which is what this is. Yeah, like my my one of my things that I'm going to start thinking about now is what is the what is that kind of show that we that I can make or a right. show that we can make on Relay FM that and, and I'm not interested in like a technology show for the masses like I that's not what I want to do I want to make something that's maybe more a little bit more general interest hmm. that fits with what we're trying to do but I don't know what it's about I have no I, yeah. I know nothing more about it than that but yeah, you know I mean me that, that's kind of something I'm just starting to think about is what is what is a more general interest show with an interesting format that lends itself to the sort of stuff that we do what does that look like? And that's as far as I have um, on that. But it's it. I'm pleased that there's something out there that even is just getting my creative juices flowing again um, over something completely new, which excites me. It's a good time for your creative juices to be flowing now that you are full time doing this. It's a perfect time. Perfect time. Perfect time. I agree. Right, so that that's about it, I think, for, for this week's episode of Upgrade. I hope that you have enjoyed it as much as we have enjoyed making it for you. Uh, if you'd like to find the links to today's episode, go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash nine. Uh, if you'd like to check out our sponsors, we would like that very much, and we are very, very happy to be sponsored by our friends uh, at the Converted app and also Igloo today they are our friends as uh, they're our friends and they use only good magic not not black magic our friends using good magic mm-hmm. if you'd like to to follow your friend mr jason snell he's at jsnell on twitter j-s-n-e-l-l and he writes over at sixcolors.com and i am at imike i-m-y-k-e and i am now a professional podcaster mm. at, uh, finally, finally finally you're a professional <laughs> no longer <laughs> amateurish i'm no longer now. a pro-am i am now a professional uh, and, and, I, and I create shows at relay.fm. We'll be back next week for episode number 10 of Upgrade. Um, and we will be recording live at a new time. If you are a live listener, we will now be recording uh, from next week at 11 a.m. Pacific time at relay.fm slash live. You can check the schedule at relay.fm slash schedule if you'd like to see when all of our shows record live. We have that there. Until next time. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me too. 